Hello and welcome to the Voices from the Land, Indigenous Peoples Talk Language Revitalization Podcast, produced by the Legacy of Hope Foundation. Tansi, I'm your host, Gordon Spence from the Tasquia Cree Nation in Northern Manitoba. I'm also the Indigenous Community Facilitator for the Legacy of Hope Foundation. Today I'm joined by my colleague and co-host, Andrew Bomberry, a Mohawk from the Six Nations of the Grand River Territory. Andrew is a curriculum developer, writer, researcher, and teacher. Welcome. As part of the Legacy of Hope Foundation's mandate and mission, we are working to promote Indigenous language revitalization as a critical step in the healing of generations of survivors and their communities from colonial policies and practices, which robbed Indigenous peoples of their first language. The goal of this project is to help support Indigenous language reclamation through interviews with Indigenous language teaching experts. The target audience for this work are Indigenous language teachers. We hope that by sharing accessible podcasts of interviews with people doing interesting and relevant work on language promotion, we can help facilitate the sharing of knowledge, ideas, and practices that are relevant to the teaching and learning of Indigenous languages. While there are many contexts that are particular specific to nations and dialects within their regions, we are hoping to provide additional tools and a platform that can help with Indigenous language revitalization, despite the many differences. Our guest today is Emily Angularic from Cambridge Bay. Emily is one of the last descendants and the youngest of 11 children of the first Inuit fur trader, the late Stephen Angularic who traded in the Canadian Arctic around the Queen Maud Gulf area back in the early 1920s. Emily was born in Yellowknife Northwest Territories and raised in the community of Cambridge Bay, Nunavut, as well as in Perry River, Nunavut, where her late parents lived at their outpost camp. She has three grown children and 13 grandchildren. Emily is an Inuinactum adult educator with the Nunavut Arctic College in Cambridge Bay and has been involved in teaching Inuinactun language revitalization. She has been involved with the Heritage Society in Cambridge Bay since the birth of the organization in 1995. What inspires her to work within the field of language revitalization is the preservation, the practice, and the use of her Inuinactun language through immersion and interactions with knowledgeable knowledge keepers, the elders from her community. It is very important to know your roots and your identity, your language, your culture, and what society brings today. Take pride in living the two worlds and never forget your ancestors, where they came from. Our language and our culture must be intertwined. This creates a balance in our lives. And that's a quote from Emily. Welcome, Emily. I guess we can just start by uh, talking about uh, what you do and, uh, in Cambridge Bay as a teacher. I know Inuinaktun, maybe you could just explain Inuinaktun is an Inuit dialect, is it not? Is that correct? Yes, yes. Thank you for inviting me and allowing me to conduct this interview with you. Yes, uh, Inuinaktun is a sister language of Inuktitut. Inuktitut is the dominant language within the Nunavut communities, where a small portion of Inuinaktun speakers 
are from the communities of Cambridge Bay, Hokloktok, Bathurst Inlet, and Umingmaktok, as well as communities like the Natalik area communities, such as Joe Haven and Kalokiwak. They also have um, Inuit Nakun speakers, uh, but have moved on to um, living in the other communities. So Inuinaktun is also spoken by the people from the Ulukwaktormut, originally called Holman Island, and it is in the NWT. So Cambridge Bay, Hokloktok, and Ulukwaktok have the Inuinaktun speakers. And we have a different writing system. So Inuktitut, say Kikaktaluk region, Kivalak region, are the Inuktitut speakers, where they have the syllabic writing system. But for the Kitakmut uh, region, we Inuinaktun speakers write in the Roman orthography. I was going to say that Inuinaktun, uh, as opposed to the Inuktitut spoken in the East, which they use syllabics, you use uh, the Roman orthography. That's right? Yes. Talk a bit about your, your teaching. As an adult educator, you teach uh, adults in your community. Talk about, about how you go about doing that and uh, what the methods you use in teaching your language. As any language teacher or instructor, language and culture is the most vital piece of your curriculum my teaching background and how I've, you know, teaching the, the language and culture, I find very enriching. That's one of my passions where teaching the language and the culture is a very enriching piece of your heritage, of your identity. I talk a lot about our identity because our Inuinaktun or any heritage identity, like we need to lift up that, you know, the person within us, you know, within myself as an Inuk person is, I, I need to nurture my namesake. And that's one of the very important pieces as, you know, Inuk or as, you know, any indigenous um, human, our namesakes and our heritage is very important. And we need to start nurturing ourselves with uh, this lifelong journey of understanding, knowing. Is there a specific method you use when you teach? Is there, a, do you follow a certain curriculum and certain style or method? Yes, both, you know, the Inuit methods. You can see in the background, I have the Inuit Kawimayutokangit guiding principles. That is one of the most effective I find because these guiding principles are not coming from, you know, the Southern curriculum or my curriculum. It's actually the curriculum of my ancestors. So the Inuit guiding principles um, has been introduced and used within the Nunavut government. And that's, you know, as part of our government is that the Inuit guiding principles are practiced. So I do use the guiding principles within my teaching, which helps a great deal in, in implementing the curriculum and teaching the 
learning styles mm -hmm. is using the guiding principles for, for myself, a very powerful, a very vital tool that I can give to my students, give to, to the learners. Can you talk a bit about the, what those guiding principles are? There's many, like I call them the maligait. Maligait means principles, rules, like Inuit maligait. So the Inuit maligait has uh, many, okay, one of them being respecting each other, respecting others and the people around. So is one of our, you know, principles that I, uh, I encourage a lot within my teaching. So there's many guiding principles that I find very useful as I teach. One of them being and respecting the land, the animals and around. So let me just pull out the guiding principles. Sure, yeah. Okay. Uh, one of them as well is is welcoming anyone, everyone. And being inclusive, you're including everyone. It doesn't matter what background they are coming from, but including them into your circle, into your society. I find that very useful. Again, I've always been taught respect humankind, respect each other. Then in return, the respect will come. So that's, you know, one of the, important principles that um, has been maybe instilled in me is that, you know, respecting each other, including everyone and teaching them the guiding principles of uh, Inuit night. Are there any more? Helping each other, serving one another. Making decisions upon each other in a consensus rather than, you know, one person making a decision. We make a decision together. That's how, you know, we live in harmony is making sure that everyone is in one agreement. or Teaching people, teaching each other, learning from each other like observing each other and learning from each other. Finding ways, finding ways where we can uh, help each other. I'm reading these from the Inuit Naktun guiding principles. Again, it's always been like helping each other. Like in the old days, that's what they did, like before colonization working together and helping each other has been part of any society i would i would imagine and to work amongst each other to go from one location to another we can't just leave this person or this family behind we need to help them and then that's that's the way we work together as inuit which is very important like I said earlier, respecting the land, animals, and the people within it. So when, like, as I'm teaching, like one of my teaching methods is is respecting each other and welcoming them, which is 
So those I find very effective. And again, with you know, language teaching, with culture, we understand within our society today, you know, there's so much confusion. And the reason being is that because we're not in in tune within ourselves as you know, as an in or as an indigenous person. So that's one of my methods of teaching is teaching not from the curriculum, but from within, within the person. Let's wake that person up. Like we do get confused within, you know, the society itself and having to live sometimes can be difficult. Sometimes living two, two worlds, you know, we live in a society of, you know, the Southern way versus the heritage way. So in order to combine the two, like we need to accept both your your heritage as well as live in the society we are living in today. And it, yeah, sometimes it can be very rocky, you know, but it's important to, to get beyond that because like every time, you know, a situation or something happens then our elders often say it will pass and definitely it do pass and we can get beyond and move again like our ancestors have done they did not just they were not idle they continuously moved to go from one location to another just to survive that's exactly what we can do as well in our lives, like we may not live the way our ancestors have lived, but we can definitely use their tools of survival in our world today. Sounds like you, you can't just have the language. It also has to come through the culture, a lifestyle. Yes. I understand totally what you're talking about. And like Andrew just said, it does connect with your who you are and your culture and the way you go about your daily lives and how you connect with other people around you to make your life better and others people's mm -hmm. lives better. That's, you know, those are principles that I guess over thousands of years have allowed you to survive and help each other. I just want to ask you a bit about, well, take us into your classroom. Let's pretend that I'm your student, Andrew's a student, and uh, we're sitting down here and uh, how do you go about teaching us in Inuktun? Give us some examples of how you go about teaching us, okay? What would you tell us? What would First you of all, I would say, welcome. So welcome to the Inuinaktun class. And then like being the, obviously Inuinaktun, like you have no clue of what Inuinaktun is, but for me to welcome you into the classroom. Welcome. Would you like some tea? Would you like some coffee? My name is Who are you? They may be basic, but really it's part of uh, welcoming a first time a student into into our classroom. Talk a bit about uh, how you go about teaching uh, in the in, in your actor language. Give us an example of a kind of a lesson plan you use. Or a description of. 
Yeah. Okay. Yes. So the description. First of all, understanding like with Inuinaktun language revitalization. Inuinaktun, they say, is a language that is dissipating. And one of the ways as teaching my language is I would actually, Akulik has been one of our seal oil lamb that has been used for generations and generations, you know, before coming into, into a settlement. So having these visual tools that has been used before what we are used, what technology has. So showing the tools that they have used back then versus the technology we have, I would actually introduce the qulliq to you and say that this is what we've used. This is what our ancestors have used before technology. It gives a light of another world, like pretend we're way back then. Just imagine what it might may have been like back then before technology. Those are the uh, tools that I would uh, introduce to the students as well as the basic words, the words that I would repeat, and I know you would know what means now, like just in that short period of, you know, our conversation. Do you, do you use like, a, like let's say we're in a classroom and you're teaching a senior in Acton, do you use like visual aids, like you use a photograph or something? And, and do you know an actor name on the, on the picture? Yes, yes I do. So I have a lot of visual, anything that um, surrounds your classroom, anything that a learner wants to know about. For instance, the window, igalak. Igalak is a window, ikhibautak. Like our environment plays a lot in our language. So from the basis to the descriptive. So our language is a descriptive language. So if I put a word on the chair, means a place where you sit. You can do a lot with, with just that simple word. So what you want to do is expand the knowledge of the learner. You know, you want to expand their knowledge of learning the language. So that's the root word method? Yes. This is what we wanted to talk to you about, specifically about how you go about teaching the language. And uh, you're talking about a method called the root word method, which is used by also the Mohawk people. So uh, Andrew is a Mohawk and, you know, he might have a few questions. Go ahead, Andrew, go ahead and ask away. Well, actually, uh, so you you teach in the uh, Inuktan Language Revitalization Certificate Program, yes. right? Yeah, so I was wondering if you would uh, just give a little description of how that program works to help prepare people for teaching the language or help revitalize the language. So the Inuinaktun language revitalization curriculum has various courses, including Inuinaktun language revitalization, like speaking the Inuinaktun language itself, as well as 
uh, the history behind language loss. What happened? What impacted our stoppage of the Inuinak or our any any language? What stopped us from using these uh, our language? And then how can we give back, bring back our language to the learner? And I do it in a way where, of course, it can be sensitive. And I make sure like time, patience, sometimes anger, sometimes, you know, all, all the emotions can surface because of language loss, intergenerational trauma, um, residential school. And what I find is I make the time for them, for the students. It's their time. They need to take years of baggage that they've kept for, for a long time. And we do need to make the time for them to regain. That, that, that's the time when they begin. Yes, it's my healing. It's my journey now. It's my healing journey. So that's one of the most effective I find is having their time. This is their time to regain their, you know, and it's, it's, it's their journey. Sounds like the program really aims at revitalizing culture. It sounds like it has a, a healing effect on the students who experience it. Could you uh, maybe talk just a little bit more about the effects or the benefits to the students of having this cultural focus so integral to the language revitalization process? I find it's such a re rewarding program. Like it's so rewarding because you can see the outcome. And I've, I'm so privileged to be able to be part of their their learning. Uh, would, would you mind just kind of giving a, a quick overview of what the program tries to unpack for the learners? If you have more questions in regards to the language revitalization, you can contact a University of Victoria. And But some of the courses that, you know, I've been involved in teaching are learning language revitalization and social action, introducing linguistics for language revitalization. And one of the courses I find very effective is when the students are out, I should say learners, when they're out on the land, even just to be out by the ocean or, you know, just to take a little walk, you're grounded with the land and the animals. And if you're lucky to see an Arctic hare or, you know, an Arctic fox, then yes, that's nature. These are the animals and you're, you're connected to the land and the ocean. Being on Victoria Island where we're right close to the Arctic Ocean. And of course we have abundance of, of seals and Arctic char. So reconnecting them with cultural activities such as maybe filleting an Arctic char, uh, scraping the seal hide and uh, butchering those are cultural activities that you can do with your learners. It can be anything, anything that from beading to sewing to carving, even carving miniature, miniature things 
in your culture, maybe you do weave baskets. So things like that becomes a healing journey for, for the learner. Mm-hmm. Has there been an increase in the number of people speaking or learning to speak in Uginacton in Cambridge Bay and the surrounding region? Yes, there has. And for the past few years, I've, I find that they are so encouraged to wanting to speak the language, to speak in Winaktun. One of our downsides is the use of the standardized writing system. Like I find with the oral speaking, it takes time. Like what education had done in the past, it took time and it will take time for us to really regain our our Okawhek, our language. So we have to think about the time English was pushed upon us. This is our healing journey, is for our language. We should not be pushing that language and culture because you're just gonna, you lose them. Like you'll, you'll block their, their mental. So it's important as a language instructor to take the time and be patient go with their downfall fall with them get up with them you know what i mean because we want to thrive with our learner we want to be in balance with them as well that's my teaching method and and that's the most enriching part of teaching is when you see they're getting the so the uh, new Inactive language has seen a revitalization in your community, which is really good to hear. I have many friends who are Inuit. Many of them have gone to residential school from your region and other regions too. But I think it had a bigger impact in your region from the Inuit in your region losing their languages as a result of residential schools. It's one of the regions that has I didn't really have most of the language spoken was English in recent years. And it's really good to hear that you have this uh, Indian Acton language revitalization happening and that people are actually enjoying reviving their language, you know, using traditional guided principles. So, mm-hmm. and it's good that, to see people like yourself helping revive the language in your, in your area, in your culture. Andrew, do you have any more questions for, uh, for Emily? So the, the organization that you're a part of, the, uh, the Heritage Society. Yeah. So I was reading that it is involved in projects of critical importance to the revival of Inuit culture, language, and history. And so I was wondering if you would mind talking a bit about what kind of projects are really good for, for building these three. As you know that our younger generation are into iPods or into technology. We need to include that as well in their learning, having language courses or language word of the day, perhaps online. So what is, what is Ditoret? What does Ditoret mean? It means have some tea. So words that, or even using the technology is one of the most important that we want to 
meet the needs of our our youth and and we just had uh, we just established a working language working group with uh, Inuit Naktun speaking specialists uh, within the community and it's called Inikaliokatigit it means making the path making the way so this working group will be introducing the Inuit Naktun course online uh, with the assistance of their consultants called Berokvik, which is out of Iqaluit. We're also like working with our consultant, Damalek, who is training our key influence speakers uh, within our four communities. The communities I spoke about were Joe Haven, Cambridge Bay, Ulukakto, Koklokto, the Inuinaktun speakers. We also created an online learning platform, ilihaktabutunngabia.ca, where we're hosting online courses such as the MAP initiation, so mentor apprentice program okay. for Inuinaktun. So we had a, a MAP program shortly after Christmas with learners from Cambridge Bay, and uh, we conducted, con- conducted online as well, and it was very effective. And our future initiatives, we're hoping to consult the elders and community members from different age groups and speaking ability to create a community language development plan. More of the principles of consensus building. Yes, yes. And to really commit ourselves with language revitalization and to encourage our, our identity encourage that person okay we need to celebrate and to travel or you know our journey in life with our language with our culture in a way where it's not kanokmi night to make where it's it's not i can't say it in english i i apologize it's yeah it's it's right there but so that's that's what you know our aim is to encourage Inuinaktun language revitalization. It's sometimes hard to say things in, from your language to another language. I understand that because it happens to me more more often before the, as I was growing up. Because you know you, you're constantly thinking in your in your mother language, and uh, it's challenging for a person to master a second language, especially a language such as yours, which is very expressive. Martha always tells me that the Inuktitut language, the Inuit language is very, very powerful and can be very, very descriptive. Yes, I agree with you. I agree with her too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. I want to thank you for taking the time for talking to us today. You've given us some really good information that we could carry with us in our project and keep up the good work that you're doing. We hope our languages and understand our languages are Aboriginal, Indigenous languages are making a comeback. I know a lot of people have lost their language and, and this is the year, this is the decade declared by United Nations, the decade of indigenous languages, 2021 to 2031. So mm-hmm. within that 10 year period, there's gonna be a lot of 
revitalization of our indigenous languages uh, in Canada anyway, I think, but I think this is something that's worldwide because it's declared by the United Nations. There's a lot of uh, language revitalization happening in places like Australia and New Zealand, mm -hmm. Hawaii. Thank you so much, Emily, for your time. Yes, thank you. Uh, stay safe. Thank, thank you. you.